Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. This week, dun dun dun, coronavirus. What are we going to do about it? We are here on the west side, certainly is dominating media coverage. You know, Trump may have it. I'm here with Matt Hall. What's going on, Matt? Oh, nothing much. How are you doing? Post-marathon. Post-marathon and pre-coronavirus getting here to Santa Monica. We have no cases here yet, right? Nothing that we know of, you know, no, no official declared cases here in the city. Okay. The coronavirus is on everybody's mind. It's certainly dominating our news cycle. And we wanted to cut through the mud a little bit and at least find out, you know, how panicked do we need to be about this thing? What, what is it? And what do we need to do locally? What do we? What can we do here in Santa Monica? And so we brought in some experts. Uh, Matt, who do we bring in? So we talked to uh, Dr. Lisa Dobby. I'm an emergency physician attending at Santa Monica UCLA. I'm also assistant clinical professor of medicine in the Department of Emergency Medicine. She's going to talk to us a little bit from the medical side. You know what the virus actually is. How does it work? What its symptoms are? So. There's some good, solid information there. And then we also spoke to... Lindsay Call. My title is Chief Resilience Officer for the City of Santa Monica Office of Emergency Management. So, you know, her job is to is literally to sit down and think about what we should panic over. Like, that's her job, <laughs> is to figure out, right, like earthquakes, fires, floods. Yeah. So we're going to ask her where... where does this rank in the list of possible things that could go wrong? Do you think, do you think she ever panics? Probably not. I mean, panic is probably not, you know, I don't think there's a big red panic button on her desk. Yeah. Right? Her job is just decide when to hit it. Right. But, you know, she's, she's here to think about what does go wrong and how to how to minimize damage. Who else do we talk to? And then uh, the last person for today is a gentleman by the name of Nick Efron, who works for Downtown Santa Monica. Director of Public Space and Operations with Downtown Santa Monica. And he's actually in charge of specifically their cleaning and sanitation efforts. Um, because a big part of this virus is just staying clean and washing your hands and keeping it off surfaces. So he's going to tell us a little bit about how DTSM specifically works to keep the many surfaces and nooks and crannies clean uh, along the promenade. Wow. I mean, that's that's quite a job. I, I will say this. You know, we live in a city that has uh, certainly visually we have lots of cleaning going on. And the coronavirus is transferred through touching. Yeah, right? that's it, touching. And touching stuff, and if you touch your face, that's how it gets through. Or if somebody happens to just go right up to you and sneezes at you. Yeah, I mean, and it goes, like, then maybe you might. That's a grosser form of touching, but yeah. it's still, essentially, it's touch. The virus has to move from someone who has it straight to someone who doesn't have it. It's not like, it doesn't live in the air. It doesn't live in stuff that you're consuming you know if someone with the virus has to put the virus on something and then you have to touch that thing and then put it on you put it in your face or whatever on your nose it go and it goes in through your nose and your mouth yeah you know somewhere it doesn't it's not necessarily it's not absorbed through your skin yeah has to find a an opening somewhere so so this is all interesting stuff and and so let's let's cut real quick to uh dr lisa dobby and she's going to tell us, uh, you know, how this, how exactly it's transferred. So viruses are not able to replicate themselves. They're basically contain a strand of RNA, and they, you breathe them in, or you touch your mouth, and you get it into your body. And basically, the virus almost hijacks your cell and uses your ribosomes and your genetic material to reproduce itself. And so. 
as it's reproducing itself and making more virus, your body becomes aware that something is not right and your immune system ramps up to attack the virus to kill it and get rid of it. Um, and part of what we're seeing in the people who get really sick from coronavirus is that as the immune response fights the virus, the cells are getting leaky and there's a lot of fluid and secretions in the lungs, which is basically ending up in acute respiratory distress syndrome. So people are getting a lot of fluid in their lungs, leading to the inability to breathe. Okay, so that's that's how you get the coronavirus. We, we, it's not going to be going through the air. It's not, you know, it's it's about hygiene and and sneezing into a, a tissue and then throwing that tissue away, and there goes the virus. Yeah, that's that's how it works. Okay, so we have all of this furniture downtown Santa Monica that they've just put out for the the Santa Monica uh, Promenade 3.0. Yes. So you would think that you know. A lot of people touching this furniture. We yep. don't know who's been on this furniture. So um, so what do you think they're doing about that? Yeah, well, it, I mean, they're cleaning it, right? But it's And it's not just the furniture. It's uh, every time you go into the parking structure and you push lobby, you know who else pushed lobby? Everyone else in the parking structure, <laughs> right? Like literally every lobby. Other. Lobby is the most infected button. Yeah, on a, yeah. like literally. You, you're pushing a button that's been pushed by 400, 500, 1,000 other people Right there and then, right immediately, um, you know, you've got handrails, you got door handles. There's all kinds of places where you are touching something that someone else has also touched. Right, and that's really where DTSM is putting a lot of effort into making sure those surfaces are clean. And, and in fairness, they do that anyway. But now, more than ever, they are specifically cleaning all those surfaces with great regularity. So let's listen to what Nick Efron from downtown Santa Monica has to say about that. Sure. I mean, our ambassadors are constantly keeping the area safe and clean. Um, we have almost, I want to say, 3,000 contracted hours with our ambassadors weekly. Um, and maintaining the public space is a large portion of their um, daily duties. Um, they, they carry hand sanitizer around with them. They wipe down surfaces. We, ha- we provide spot pressure washing services. We wipe down hand railings and the interior of the elevators and the parking structures. We clean the elevator lobbies. We um, clean the promenade furniture. And of course, all of this is already layered on top of, you know, the baseline level of services that the city's promenade maintenance folks provide. So um, I don't think you'll really find a, a cleaner downtown in, in the Southern California area. The ambassadors can be broken down generally into two different categories, hospitality and maintenance ambassadors. Um, that being said, all of our ambassadors are cross-trained in custodial activities. So even the hospitality ambassadors, which are the folks that are probably the most visible, they're the ones in the fedoras that everyone sees out on the street, they operate as custodial ambassadors when they are not interacting directly with a guest. So they all carry around um, sanitary wipes. They are all wiping down furniture when they have a second to do so. Um, They are really in charge of maintaining the public space during all times when they're not directly talking to somebody else, a visitor on the street, a guest, a resident, anybody. You know, one of the things that Nick uh, just talked about is that they're doing this all the time, right? That they're always cleaning, that cleaning is always on the front of mind. Um, And that's actually a good point with this virus, that one of the things that prevents this virus from spreading is stuff we should be doing anyway right Right. like 
washing your hands. You should just wash your hands. You should wash your hands a lot. Um, but that's a big part of the challenge is folks haven't been doing that apparently, but washing your hands and using hand sanitizer is actually a really strong way to prevent getting this virus. Right. And people, you know, if you go to, <laughs> I was in Spartan Final the other day and there was no toilet paper and no hand sanitizer and most of the soap is gone. So what were people doing before this? Were people just gross and not ever washing their hands or I don't know. Yeah. It I seems mean, like people are panic buying. Yeah. People are definitely panic buying. They're definitely panicking. 100% they are panicking. People are just freaking losing their minds over this. And a lot of it is just dumb and stupid. But there is a level of concern that should be had. Right. right? For and, sure. And actually, Dr. Dobby talks about that. She specifically says that you should be concerned, but probably don't panic. Yes, I would just encourage people not to panic. I think we're all going to get through this. We're going to work together as a community. We're going to take care of each other by not spreading our germs, and we'll get through it just fine. One of the interesting things about the difference between hand sanitizer and soap, they actually work differently to combat the virus in different ways, right? So hand sanitizer is predominantly alcohol. Alcohol is incredibly good at killing things and dissolving things. Just as a general point, alcohol dissolves all kinds of stuff. Sure. So it at, out and out kills, uh, in this case, the virus. But what it doesn't do is remove stuff from your hands, whereas soap and water actually physically remove things from your hands. The soap um, causes dirt to move off your hands, out of your fingernails, into the water, and it's washed away. And you actually do physically wash away some of the bacteria and viruses and other things that are on your hands. Um, but what I was reading about in this case is coronavirus, it's interesting in that it has uh, apparently a fatty, they call it a lipid layer, surrounding it. And soap is supposed to also dissolve that fat around the virus, uh, so the live part of the virus. So soap not only washes it off your hands, it also does kill the virus. And what was interesting wow. is, is a couple of years ago they did a study on the effectiveness of the two methods and washing your hands with soap and water appropriately, which means you take 20 seconds on the wash and it's really critical that you manage the drying properly, is more effective than hand sanitizer, partly because hand sanitizer doesn't get stuff off your hands. Yeah. So if you have other material on your hands that's dangerous, it's going to stay there. Um, but the other really interesting thing about hand washing what, is that drying is critically important. So the um, air blow dryer things yeah. basically don't work. <laughs> um, Those seem like they just spread germs all over the entire Right, mountain. which is apparently exactly what they do. Yeah. And so what you need to do is make sure your hands are thoroughly dried before you exit wherever your hand wash station is. And apparently that's really key. So this goes back to just basic hygiene and just general wellness. It, it seems like everything circles back to general hygiene, wellness, managing your cough, washing your hands. And that's how we're going to manage this thing out. Yeah, and common sense, right? Common sense is a huge part of it. Um, and part of common sense is understanding how disasters can impact us and can work, right? And that's actually one of the things that Lindsay said, that there may be a lot of panic out there. Yeah. But there are some things that you probably should do you probably should have an emergency kit, right? And she, she actually addresses maybe, you don't want to call it necessarily a silver lining, but what could be a benefit of this is people actually pay attention to stuff. 
So my background is public health. I have a master's degree in public health and have worked for LA County Public Health, uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security on infectious disease emergency issues. And so I have a pretty good grounding in, um, to gauge how concerned we should be about this, this incident. I would say that a healthy amount of concern is appropriate and that, you know, the the concern we've seen in grocery stores and drug stores with people making sure that they have basic supplies, um, I understand that completely. Um, we want to make sure that everyone is taking this seriously because every single individual has the power to implement measures in their own lives to protect their health as well as our community's health. So everyone has the power to stay at home when they're sick. Even when they have you know, the slightest cough or a little bit of a fever, they should stay home. Everyone has the power to be able to wash their hands more frequently, um, to make sure that they're sneezing in their elbow or they're washing their hands after they sneeze. Everyone has the power to do that. So that's a great thing about this disaster event or this emergency event, uh, as opposed to an earthquake that where, you know, we can't really control mother nature. Okay, so since I've been alive, I have not seen European countries shut down and quarantine that. I've never seen just entire countries shut down, which is no, what Italy's I, yeah, doing. Yeah, whole country. I think I, I think it literally is the first time a democracy has basically ma- just said, well, that's it, quarantine. Yeah, so obviously there's there's huge concern um, and, you know, from what, what, what I know about this, it's because we don't really know the arc to this, right? There's, there's the, the influenza, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tap into what, uh, Dr. Dobby just told us about comparing this to the, to the flu. Let me start by saying that there's going to be a severity, <clears throat> I'm sorry, a spectrum of severity. So you will see, I think they they think about 2% of people are walking around completely asymptomatic, not one symptom, <laughs> shedding virus, but they're passing it along, which is a little tricky. (laughs) Um, And then they're saying, I think about 80% of people will have mild symptoms. So majority of people are going to actually have mild symptoms when they get coronavirus, which I think is really important for people to understand. Um, And then we're seeing kind of now you get to the other end of the spectrum, 20% with more severe, and it's really unclear the mortality rate at this time, because we're getting different data from different countries. Again, this is new, so we're acquiring data as we go. Um, But there's been a range. South Korea is reporting, you know, mortality rates of 0.6%, whereas China is reporting rates of like 3.5% mortality. So it's really unclear at this time what the true mortality rate is. Um, but it's definitely a spectrum of severity, and I think it's really important for people to understand that. The big variable is that we don't know when this thing arcs out. We don't. We know what a flu is going to do. We generally can predict the spread of flu when it peaks, and then when it kind of goes back down again. And this one we just don't know. So is that what's causing all this panic? Yeah, I mean, what's causing the panic is any number of things, right? They. T- I'm going to go back and just say it outright that stupidity is a root cause of this panic. And that isn't what a lot of talking heads are saying. And it's not what people are saying in polite company, right? What people will say is people don't know what to do, right? If you don't know what to do, like you're kind of dumb at this point. Like don't talk to, don't, (laughs) don't put your hands places they shouldn't be, right? Don't touch weird surfaces and then touch your eye. Like don't stand next to someone who's coughing and hacking, right? You, people should know what to do. If you don't, you're kind of dumb. And then you get into what they're doing 
and it's a response to their own ignorance of the situation, right? People's response is, I don't know what's going on. So then you feel the need to buy a hundred rolls of toilet paper? <laughs> like, uh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. it's very uncomfortable to run out of toilet paper, Matt. Yeah, exactly. It sure it is. But it, this is this is some people you, we're not going to run out for years now. Right. This is where you get into the the hoarding is the wrong call, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, some of the things people do say are, um, don't go out in public as much right now. You know, social distancing. Decide if you really need to be in public places. Um, and one of the things that, that Dr. Dobby also talked to us about was the different danger levels for different groups. You know, she mentioned that we don't really know how it's infecting different people, but there seems to be evidence that elderly people are more susceptible to this. Um, there seems to be some evidence that young people are particularly resilient to this, and that's actually fairly unusual. Um, so there is, you know, again, cause for concern? Sure. Panic? probably a bad idea so i i think everyone should have a healthy dose of concern and make sure they're doing what they can to prevent the spread of disease i also recommend that like any disaster event that people think about their own personal preparedness plans what would they do if you know worst case scenario there was an exposure in their child's school or their business, and they had to stay at home for two weeks. Thinking about what they would do, could they telecommute? What what plans does, did their family have? Being sure that they have a disaster kit, not only for an emergency infectious disease situation, but also for an earthquake or a wildfire or a tsunami, making sure that they have basic supplies so that if they had to be at home for seven days, 14 days, that they have the capacity to do that. And so um, I, I appreciate that everyone's actually thinking about preparedness. Usually, um, you know, we have a hard time getting people prepared. Um, so ev even the little steps people are taking can make a huge impact, not only for this event, but also for other uh, disasters. You know, so obviously being concerned, there's there's a level of concern that needs to exist. Absolutely. There's a level of safe behavior that needs to exist. Absolutely. You know, are we at the point of shelter in place? No one leave your house. You know, only order DoorDash. Like, no, that's not where we're at. Um, and if you're going to go anywhere, if you're going to go to public places and public events, it is important that people in positions of authority take this seriously and undertake measures that are necessary. Right. And, you know. Um, Nick was very proud of the fact that his business is keeping the promenade clean. And he was very adamant that if you're going to go anywhere, you know, the promenade's probably the place to go because of the amount of effort they put into cleaning it. I would say come downtown and get a breath of fresh air. I mean, we're right by the beach. And honestly, I don't think you'll find a cleaner, <laughs> a cleaner downtown. Um, I'm not even saying that because I'm biased and I work down here. But I really do think that we are... And since before the coronavirus even was a thing, we've been maintaining all of our public spaces to you know the nth degree. Um, and that goes beyond the promenade. It goes beyond the, the places that people um, you know, touch every day when they come down here, including the parking structures. It includes our public restrooms, which are you know cleaned on an hourly basis and staffed full time. Um, so even those areas that maybe might not be top of mind when you think of Santa Monica, we're still cleaning them. They're still, 
sanitized and wiped down. And we, I don't know, we, we feel like this is a very clean and safe area. If you, that, if you want to go outside, if you want to go to do stuff, say he thinks that's the place to go. Up to you whether you feel comfortable with that. But, you know, he was very adamant that they have a process in place. They clean the surfaces. The furniture they built is designed to be power washed. You know, he's very confident that they've got safety measures in place for that section of town. Yeah, it does feel like we have uh, a higher than average number of power washers going around downtown. And I certainly see, you know, the folks in the blue shirts, the ambassadors, or the um, constantly cleaning. I think he, he mentioned that all of them are trained in custodial capacities. So, so it should be should be clean down there, at least cleaner than uh, places where they don't have that. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, at the end of the day, this is something to be concerned about. It isn't something to panic about. I think that's the message that has been lost. People, no one seems to be able to cal- uh, calibrate their response to this to the appropriate level. Ignoring it, that's wrong. Panic buying at a Costco, that's also wrong. What you need to do is find that medium where perhaps grandma doesn't get taken to the beach this weekend. Fair enough, right? But grandma doesn't need to be wearing a surgical mask inside her home and prevented from having all contact with all people, right? Yeah. There's there's a there's a, a balance to this. Right. But that said, it's probably going to get worse here before it gets better. The county of Los Angeles already declared a state of emergency, which is more about um, funding and infrastructure than it is actual danger. But they have declared that. Every day for the last week or so, they've had more cases, more cases, more cases. We're going to continue to see more cases. So I think people need to understand this isn't a story that's going away. It's not going to disappear. How should they feel about it? Yeah, they should feel concerned. They should feel that there is a change in their behavior. But hopefully that change in their behavior results in overall stronger, better communities, particularly if people adopt some of these standards around washing your hands, having an emergency kit, coughing into your elbow, those kinds of things that we should all be doing anyway. Yeah, okay. Are you fist bumping or hand or handshaking people? Yeah, well, there's, there's <laughs> they say no no handshakes anymore, right? You're supposed to... I guess they're they're trying to make foot bumping a thing where oh. you like touch your toes. They're like, no, that's not okay. that's, whatever. That's not happening. Whose idea was that? Okay. Um, okay. Well, uh, I think that's it. Cool. Uh, Thanks for joining us today on Inside the Daily Press. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that be Spotify. Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. Music for the Inside the Daily Press podcast is brought to you by The Brig Band. The Brig Band is an LA jam band that has been playing live since 2002. Regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder, to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. To find out where and when you can hear them live, head to thebrigband.com.